Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach, Shannon Keegan. I just love my conversation today with endurance athlete of all varieties and cartoonist, Jeff Mallet, the creator of Fraz. Have you ever called yourself and your proclivity to signing up for long swims, crazy or stupid? The tendency to be self-deprecating is common. But Jeff and I maintain that we are just curious people who are trying to find out what we're made of. We traverse all of the important topics in today's interview. Finding grit, facing your demons, doubling down instead of giving up as well as the very high quality of people in the open water marathon swimming community. You don't want to miss it. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for being our guest today. What is your story? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me your story. What's your story? My story is uh, all over the place. It's more like a collection of short stories. Uh, I, uh, uh, I'm a cartoonist. I draw a daily comic strip. It's syndicated across the United States. And the job of being a cartoonist means coming up with 365 short stories a year. That's too many stories to make up. You kind of have to go out and live life and then steal from it, which kind of means you have to live an interesting life where you have to learn a lot and ideally experience as many lives as possible. And uh, one way to do that is travel. And I like to do that, although my travel opportunities have been limited somewhat. Um, So you go within, you know, you, you explore inside your own self. And in my opinion, There's no real better way to do that than endurance sports. Every event, geez, every time you go out is an event, um, uh, has a beginning, an end, and a middle, and usually a crisis or a conflict, (laughs) (laughs) a a twist or a turn or a surprise, uh, and definitely an opportunity to learn something. And so uh, I was always drawn to the endurance sports um for that your, reason what was your for, first for, endurance sport <laughs> my first endurance sport yeah probably well that's a good question already um i normally say bicycle racing but the truth is i always grew up loving to bicycle my dad uh, we lived out in the country and my dad was cheap and uh, there was a gas crisis on back then and he bought a bicycle and he became hooked And he got me hooked that way. So I was always bicycling pretty much everywhere. There's just no better device for exploring. You know, you're surrounded by the world. There's nothing walling you off. Uh, But you go fast enough to get where you're going. And you can go some pretty good distances. So I always loved bicycling. And by the time I got out of high school, I did some high school sports, but I wasn't any good at any of them. Um, uh, But by the time I got out of high school, I still felt the itch to do some things. And I really wanted to try bicycle racing. But there was this new thing, and I'm dating myself. So I'll just say I graduated from high school in 1980. 
And there was this brand new sport I'd been reading about called triathlon. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, geez, maybe that's my thing if I ever learn how to swim. So um, uh, sure enough, there was going to be a, a triathlon. I lived in semi-northern Michigan, a little town called Big Rapids, if anyone wants to map it out. Um, it's about an hour north of Grand Rapids. And um, apparently somewhere south of medium-sized rapids. But um, <laughs> Uh, up north of that in Traverse City, uh, they were going to have a triathlon. And I thought, okay, I'm doing it. And I'd always been able to swim enough to keep from drowning. My parents were the responsible types to make sure we could do that. But um, it's funny, uh, competitive swimming, there weren't a lot of opportunities for that in Big Rapids. Plus, it just didn't really appeal to me. I was a young man that didn't like being seen in a swimsuit, for one. Um, But for another thing, um, I, it felt like I, I only read this quote recently, um, in somebody else's story, but it was just so perfect. I loved swimming, but swimming fast felt like drowning. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't really like that so much, but if I was going to do this triathlon thing, I was going to learn to swim. So I did more or less. I could in a head to head fair fight, I could beat a piece of driftwood. So that's the start. <laughs> and, um, I went from there, uh, entered the triathlon, did pretty well in it, then looked at my splits, and it didn't take much analysis to go straight into bicycle racing from there. I was definitely uh, strongest on the bicycle, and I did that for a while. Um, uh, After doing that for a while, life changes, and um, uh, also I think we'll establish a pattern pretty soon that I have an attention span problem. and uh, so marriage and career made bicycle racing kind of hard uh, to do that way because you kind of have to bike race all the time. You have to race all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of dabbled back with triathlon and for a number of years went back and forth with triathlon and bicycle racing. Uh, eventually, the comic strip came to be. That's a different story. But um, eventually, the comic strip came to be bicycle racing is a very, very bad option for a cartoonist who has to work with his fingers, you know, Mm -hmm. falling down and breaking a thumb is not an option, especially when you have no substitute. So then it became triathlon uh, very much all the way. Did that for quite a few years, got pretty good at that. Um, Probably as good at triathlon as I got at bicycle racing, which is to say a little bit above mediocre. Um, Nothing, you know, not pro level, not even really national class level, um, but um, solid. You know, I, I might be like the slugger on the local softball team, that kind of level. Um, and um, did triathlon for a while. At this point, by this point, I lived in Lansing, Michigan. I've never lived outside of Michigan. Uh, I lived in Lansing, Michigan, right in the center of it. Good bicycling is a great, great place to ride. And racing was always kind of an excuse to train in that regard. Mm. Ended up about 10 years ago moving to the Detroit area. A really nice part of the Detroit area, but the whole Detroit area is lousy bicycling. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just terrible, uh, at least for the kind of bicycling I fell in love with. So I stuck with triathlon for a while. By that point, triathlon had wormed its way into the characters in the comic strip. And it was very much a part of my identity personally and the strip's identity or the brand or that. 
so I was hesitant to give it up, but doing all my bike training in the basement was getting old and um, I was ready to, if not try something new, to try and take a break. So now we're at 2015 and I decide I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break from triathlon and take the year off. It was going to be a good year to do it anyway, because it was bookended by um, uh, a good race in the spring. Uh, I was in the Boston Marathon and another good event in the fall. Um, I was going to swim across the Straits of Mackinac a second time. I loved that swim. I had done it before in 2007 with a, a modest sized group, like 50 swimmers. That was a celebration of the bridge's 50 year anniversary. So that, okay, well, if I start the year with this and end the year with this, it's going to be a good year. Um, and, um, early on things with the Mackinac swim, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm talking trash about another swim, but it just wasn't suiting me. I was starting to have some concerns. And um, uh, one of the concerns was it was getting big enough that I oh. thought this might get too big and might not even happen, might, might get organized out of existence. Um, that didn't happen, but I was concerned about that. By that time, I had become very good friends with a certain Elaine Howley. You know, you're, I believe, familiar with a certain yes, indeed, indeed. And, um, um, <laughs> Wave. um, and I was expressing my concerns to her a little bit. I thought, ah, oh, geez, the, the swim was one of these uh, charity fundraiser kind of things. You had to raise a ridiculous, really, amount of money, um, which wasn't that hard for me because of the comic strip. I was, you know, I had a platform there. I had a web page, a Facebook page. I still have it. And um, I was able to exchange pledges for signed strips or, you know, when you race long enough, you get a whole bunch of swag that, you know, you don't know what to do with. Drawing pictures on it and giving it away is something really good to do with. So I'd raised a lot of money and now I was concerned about, oh, what if this doesn't take place? So um, uh, I, was, I mentioned that to Elaine and she said, we'll just set you up with our own marathon swim if that doesn't happen. And that led to why don't you sign up for the lottery for the Boston Light Swim? And I looked at the Boston Light Swim and I thought, I can't do that, but okay, <laughs> I'll sign up and see what the water gods have to say. Okay, the water gods, if there's anything we know about gods by now, is they're mischievous. And the water gods thought they'd play this great prank on me and say, you're in, Jeff. I, I was selected. I was going to be in the Boston Light Swim. And I became that special kind of idiot that trains through his first Boston Marathon to do a different event that he's never done before and has no real natural talent for. But... That's what I did. I, I saw, this is cool. This is really neat. This is full of good people and I'm going to do it. And so, I mean, I still trained. I still raced in Boston and still had a, a, a fun time. I had a great time, a good day. But the day after the race, I was in the Boston Harbor with Elaine. <laughs> Mind you, this is in April. The water's like 40 something degrees. I think it was 48 that day, she said. Um, and that was it. I was so terrified of failing in the Boston Light Swim, you know, still not completely aware that failing happens a lot to yeah. a lot of open water swimmers. But mm -hmm. I was still 
concerns still pushing toward that. Um, And in doing that, I kind of forgot to run like ever again until just now, until until the pandemic shut down my pools. Now I'm Uh getting back into running and realizing how much I missed it. But here I am. I am (laughs) now at the very least I will go back to being a runner who swims, but I'll always be a swimmer. And I turned into one from the guy who just swam because that was how you got to the good part of the triathlon. Right. So there's, there's my collection of short stories. That's, that's where we are so far. Got it. Got it. So how did you get from being, um, well, first of all, I wanted to say what kind of cycle racing did you do? I just, I mean, what I'm kind not... of bike racing? Yeah. Whatever was available, which oh. 99% of the time was criteriums. Okay. Uh, and criterium yeah, so is super. sort of mixed between road racing and track racing and crashing a lot. Yeah. So it was, even That's that what... wasn't my favorite kind of bicycling. You know, I would have loved to do long road races and, and loved them when I had the chance, but that just didn't happen back then. But you do what's available yeah. and it was fun. Yeah. Okay. So then how did you get from being um, a little bit faster than a piece of driftwood to, I don't know, signing up for a marathon swim? <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's be clear. I'm still not beating the driftwood by that much. Um, uh, it's, it's funny because um, I've always eventually been able to kind of pick up the sport. I don't know if that's the sports that I select mm. or not, but um uh, I think where I am now with swimming, um, and again, I'll never do, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do the kind of swims that a lot of your guests and listeners do. Um, but, uh, I have fallen in love with swimming in, in open water, bouncy mm-hmm. water, rough water, even cold water, although I still have yet to really figure out how to stay warm. I'm, I'm not very good at that. And by God, I've tried. I've tr- <laughs> and I'm still trying. And I think that's, that's how I got to be from the kind of swimmer I was to the kind of swimmer I am, was by trying really hard and trying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, back in, geez, what was the first year? Uh, 2010, I think, um, was the first year I'd I'd swam the Alcatraz swim. So it would have been a year or two before that, that I met another really accomplished open water swimmer. His name is Joe Zemitis. I don't know if you've met him yet or he's been on your show. He's from Arizona and he's a former pro triathlete who went more towards swimming. And uh, he has his swimmers, his swim club, his youth swim club, do a an, uh, San Francisco weekend every year as a, an incentive. Uh, they'd swim from Alcatraz to San Francisco one day and from um, uh, across the Golden Gate another day. And he invited me to do that. And it was one of those things back then. It's like, okay, I had swum across the Straits of Mackinac with serious boat support on a perfect day in a wetsuit uh, you know, back in 2007. I'm thinking, I don't know, I knew the San Francisco Bay, but I'm open to trying it. And it was just glorious. It was so fun. So I've gone back and done that weekend, I think four times now. So you try things, they go either poorly or well, 
in which they case, in which case they either make a good memory or a good story or <laughs> both and they're really useful that way so um so trying real hard and trying anything is just fantastic. There's a couple of swims in Lake Erie in Canada that I've done, you know, marathon swims there. I've loved it. Uh, some of them turn out well, some of them not so well. Um, uh, Boston Light Swim, one failed attempt. Well, one incomplete attempt. There's no such thing as a failed attempt. Um, and one successful attempt by God. Um, and just a lot of uh, informal stuff some things that I'm missing right now too but uh yeah I try hard and I try anything that's great that's great but you could have tried just you know you could have done pool racing there's all kinds of swim racing you can do if you're just trying to preserve your fingers why did you go why did you go the distance (laughs) I've tried pool racing and and to be honest I hate it I don't like swim meets for one I'm not good and I mean if you're not good in open water you're still in open water. It's a wonderful, wonderful environment. If you're not good in a pool and you go to a swim meet, it's a pool. It looks a lot like other pools, only everybody's passing you. So that's a little less of an incentive that way. Um, But pools are really good places to train. And um, I've found a really good pool group that when there's not a plague going on, uh, they're fantastic to train with. And fantastic enough that I even got my coaching certification, which proves you don't have to be, you know, a former pro to coach um, and, you know, can help out that way. So uh, I do like, I do like my pool swimming. I do not like my pool racing. And to be fair, when I do an open water swim event back where I am, it ain't racing. (laughs) It's just finishing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but why distance swimming? Why, why did you push into distance swimming? For one, it, uh, just about everything I've done has been kind of distance oriented. And I don't know if that's because I'm a wimp and don't like uh, things that are painful the whole time. <laughs> or more likely, I just I feel cheated if something's over really quickly. I, I like distance swimming because it lasts a while. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair it's as painful as you want to make it. And you can probably make it painful just as long as those short painful events too. So I'm going to let myself off the wimp hook that way, but mostly I just, I like the endurance kind of stuff. Plus they, in my mind, they're less dependent on talent of of which I don't see myself as having a lot of um, and more dependent on grit which of course I'm going to try and give my credit myself credit for as much of as possible. You know, that's, that's twisting history, but that's, that's a story. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. That's good. That's good. Um, How did it feel the first time you completed Boston light? Oh my God. Well, numb for starters. I was very cold. (laughs) Um, It was interesting. Let's go back to the first time in 2015 when I didn't complete it, it felt awful. And it was a hypothermia thing. Um, I was, I didn't even make it that far. It just, it did not take long at all. Um, even though I hadn't really run all summer, I still kind of had a marathoners build and wasn't too well insulated and just did not have the experience with that much cold water training. I did not last long. So I had not only a boat ride back 
to shore, but I had a long boat ride back to shore with lots of opportunities to think. And you think, geez, am I just going to have to say I'm not cut out for this particular one? Or am I going to double down and give it one more shot and see if I'm really, see what I'm really made of? And um, uh, signed up for the lottery the following year, um, swam, swam, swam all year, got into the swim, and um, um, uh, I did complete it. Uh, it took a while. Uh, it was still very cold, although I think I got a little bit of a break from the weather. It was not as cold as the year before or in typical years. But um, I did finally uh, come into the shore. And it was great because um, uh, people knew, you know, it, it, the, the open water swim community is fantastic. You know, it, it's really hard getting people to talk about themselves, which, okay, I'm kind of uh, putting the lie to that right now, but this is a podcast. <laughs> they all want to know about you and how you can do better. How can they help you do better? And I had received a lot of that already. So as I'm swimming in to, uh, to the shore, to the finish line, the Boston Light Swim, um, First, it was glorious. As soon as I could see the skyline, you get this impression like that's a long way off still, but I think I can make it. I'm pretty sure I can make it. So you, the, the, triumph, the triumphant feeling of that mixed with the feeling of don't screw this up now um, was different from the just, you know, stroke after stroke after stroke, one meter at a time. So as I'm coming in, um, people familiar with the Boston Light Swim know that there's a big white handball court to sight on. What I didn't know is it's really, really good to sight on until the last maybe two or 300 meters. And then it takes you kind of away from the finish line. Doesn't help that I can't see very well either. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I've got pretty poor vision. So I'm swimming toward the big white thing. And everybody on shore, and just about everybody was on shore by that point, everybody on shore, they knew my history of hypothermia the year before. And now they see me swimming away from the finish line <laughs> toward the big white thing. And they go, oh, God, Jeff's hypothermic. He's disoriented, which may have been true to some extent. But I was just mixed up. So anyway, people are in the water. They're staring me to the finish line. And um they get me through the finish line and I feel like I've just won some kind of a world championship. The enthusiasm level was so touching. And uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm being sat in a chair. I'm surrounded by paramedics. I'm surrounded by people with blankets. I'm surrounded by people with hot beverages. And I'm seriously surrounded by people who cannot stop encouraging me and making me feel good about what I've done. It was, it was truly a fantastic feeling. It was, it was one of the best days of my life, really. And I've had a lot of good days. It's, yeah, yeah. Well, our community is pretty outstanding though, I have to say, <laughs> especially I've right always, there in Boston, my goodness. <laughs> I've always said that, um, you know, I think endurance sports in general attract a high quality of person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because eventually an endurance event will humble you. Yeah. You're going to get your lunch handed to you. 
at some point if you do it right. Um, so you can't be too full of yourself. Some people manage, but it's really kind of hard. So you get good people in endurance sports anyway. Mm -hmm. And swimming rises above that. And open water marathon swimming, I think, rises above even that. It's, it's really some of the best class of people I've ever come across. It's, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, me, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, is that the swim that you're most proud of? That second Boston light? Yeah. That single swim. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I don't think, you know, in spite of, um, uh, I think I can do this when I saw the skyline, there was a lot more of don't screw this up. And I never really believed I could do it until I was, um, on shore for a while, <laughs> warming that up is, oh my God, I did it. I did it. Um, and yeah, I would have to say that in terms of what most people think of as a proud moment, that was easily my proudest single swim. And um, one of my proudest moments of my life. It was, it was really neat. Was there a time in the, like, in, I guess, in that swim or any other swims where you were kind of really, you know, the warring with things in your head and just trying to convince yourself to take one more stroke? Fighting with the demons all the time, all the time. Um, you know, I knew about the, you know, you don't forget what hypothermia feels like. And um, that wasn't the first time, but that was the first time in such a humiliating situation, humiliating to me. It, it wasn't humiliating at all, right, but right. I sure felt like it was. Um, you don't forget that feeling. And when you feel it coming on, you know it. And um, uh, I felt it coming on a lot during that swim. You know, it's <laughs> the harbor is not the same temperature all the way across. <laughs> you swim in and out of hot and cold pockets. Well, cold and less cold pockets. And I'd swim into a cold one. And I'm thinking, you know, the whole time, is this it? And um, uh, I thought, let's find out. <laughs> let's, let's not give up. You know, um, the first year I felt I could tell I was hypothermic and I looked over at the boat and my, my handler who uh, was Bob Fernald, he knows a thing or two about marathon swimming too. Yeah, and he was sure. like leaning over the gunnel. I thought, okay, I can see what's going on here. This time, I thought, I'm not even looking. I'm going to make them blow a whistle or something like that. I'm just going to keep swimming through this and see if I can do it and uh, managed that way. So, yeah, there were demons the whole time. Um, and eventually you do. You, you just kind of make friends with the demons. And uh, they're the kind of friends that uh, if you do it right, you can ignore them for a while because, you know, they'll be back later. Yeah. And you just do your thing. And, and that's how I dealt with it. Yeah, there was somebody, I think it's Anthony McCarley, when I interviewed him, he said that, he says, hello, my old friend, when those demons crop up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Are the demons different in uh, different endurance sports from your experience? Are the demons different in, in cycle, cycle sporting versus, <laughs> versus endurance swimming? <laughs> um, it's similar when you're running, although you don't generally worry about drowning as much when you're running <laughs> right. um the 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 consequences are a little less dire but you can you can definitely face some demons i mean oh god um 
there's probably some ultra runners that will argue with me, but it's exactly true what they say about the marathon and the wall and, and how it's, you know, a 26 mile race, but it's really a 20 mile warm up with six miles of really, really tough racing. Uh, definitely that for, for running it's, it's similar bicycle racing, um, normal bicycle racing, you know, road racing, criterium racing, that kind of thing is, um, uh, it's different because you really have to be paying attention the whole time. You can't go within yourself too much or you'll knock everybody down. So um, that's, that's not a good idea. Uh, but one exception there, and I guess this is probably notable, um, back in uh, the mid-80s, I, I had mentioned that my dad was a, a big-time cyclist, um, uh, but but hardly what you would call a competitor. He was he's the most mellow guy. He's just terrific, and um, uh, he got it in his head that there was this event called the uh, National Twenty Four Hour Marathon, a twenty four hour bike race, and my dad decided that he was going to do it. And he tried it one year and put in a decent showing. Um, and in nineteen eighty six, he decides not only that he's going to do it and take it seriously, but that so am I. They had this father-son record that, that was just waiting to be taken, you know, where you just combine the mileage for the father and the son, right? You don't ride together. You just ride the same event at the same time and add up your miles. Mm -hmm. And um, so he, he says, Jeff, you know, let's do this. I think we can, I think we can break this record. And my response at this point, I had really become addicted to going fast and for about an hour at a time. I think, dad, this isn't my thing, but, but okay. You know, he's my dad. I love him to death. I would do anything for him. And a 24 hour bike race doesn't seem like that much. So um, we entered the race and uh, I went out too fast because fast was what I knew. Right. And, um, um, it served me well. I, um, did well for a while, but then you hit a point in the middle of the night where it's just miserable. The weather had turned, uh, the weather was not as it had been forecast. And I had only come prepared for the kind of weather that had been forecast. So now here's that theme again. I'm hypothermic. I'm cold. I'm tired. I've had enough of this. But my stupid dad is still just <laughs> turning the pedals around, turning the pedals around. And I thought, okay, I can't really quit now. So I kept going. A friend um, showed up at about two in the morning with uh, a motorcycle rain jacket, of all things. So they, I'm, now I'm in a jacket that weighs about 30 pounds <laughs> when it's dry. And I'm still chugging away, um, uh, discovering the miracle that is Mountain Dew. And waking up a little bit because of that and just turning, turning the pedals over and turning the pedals over and not quitting. Because if I had quit and my dad had finished it, I would never hear the end of it and I would never deserve to hear the end of it. Right. So morning comes, sun comes up. My dad wins his division with 343 miles. I win my division with um, 403 miles and we just 
I think we held the record for about 10 years. Wow. And, um, but while I was doing that, um, I was thinking, oh, geez, I, is this what I wanted to be good at? No, <laughs> this is the last thing I wanted to be good at. But it turns out that it probably is the closest thing to anything that I have a natural talent for, which is just being too dumb to quit. <laughs> no, I, I, I stand by the fact that we are just curious people. <laughs> and you, and you yeah. stated that several times. We're curious people. And, we, and the thing that we want to find out is what we're made of. What we're made That's of. That's the first thing you want to find out. Yeah, which is interesting. I'm just thinking back to your dad, you said he's such this mellow person, but yet he got this really competitive drive to go after this record. What do you think, like, kind of turned in him to be like, ah, let's go beat this? I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea. He, you know, before, you know, I'm a young kid. Uh, I was um, 24, I think, when, um, when we did that. So I wasn't that far out of being the obnoxious teenager and young adult, uh, probably not far out of obnoxious teenager at all. I, <laughs> men in my family tend to mature slowly. Um, and um, of course I had been pushing my dad, you know, I was doing 10 K races. I, I would never have put my dad in a criterion, but um, I was always, you know, come on, let's go a little faster, dad. Let's do a little faster. He says, no, no, no. Look, there's a can. You can get 10 cents for that can. I'll stop and pick up the can. This is riding with my dad. And it, it was wonderful, but it wasn't competitive. And I, to this day, have no idea what got into him <laughs> that he decided he wanted to see how far he could go in 24. And he hasn't done it since. He was quite happy to... Um, to finish Tired it up there so yeah. that's good yeah <laughs> he still rides a bicycle he's he's in his 80s and he still rides a bicycle as often as he can he walks every day he's really fit he's really active um, but he's not competitive yeah it's, that's fantastic um, wow um I just, I have this like kind of fascination with this kind of this competitive, you know, it's like this human competitive spirit, but it, you know, for some people, endurance athletes, it's like we funnel it into pioneering things. So you're like the first to do something or you're, or you're the oldest to do something. I think it fascinates me. (laughs) I've always thought that um, when you don't have the talent to do something that other people can't do, you do something that other people won't do. <laughs> and I think there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah. Yep. And I think there's a, I think there's like three different kinds of competitive to, to oversimplify it. Um, one is I want to win. The second is I don't want to get beat. And the third, which seems to suit me the most, and I get the impression your listeners and and our peers is let's see what I can do. Yeah. You know, you, you, you train, you practice, you try new things. Um, basically you tinker with the engine and there comes a time when you got to You just got to slam the hood and say, let's see what this baby can do. Yep. That's the kind of competition that, that seems to suit me. And if it happens to get me to the finish line in the upper percentiles, then yay. And if it doesn't, well, then okay, <laughs> we'll try it again or we'll try something else. Yep. No, I love that. I'm going to use that categorization until it, until it, see, I'll let you know if it breaks, but I, okay. I think you're, I think you, I think you're spot on. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what about when things get really hard? How do you get through the really hard stuff? Well, for one, the, I've been doing this for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm 15. Um, I've really kind of been doing this kind of nonsense in one form or another all my life. And I'll compare it to what I do for a living. Uh, I have to come up with a short story every single day. And some days you know, well, people ask, what do you do when you don't have any ideas? Why well, you come up with an idea? Um, and after you've been doing it a while, you realize when you're having trouble coming up with what you need, you've been there before and it's come out okay. You're still there. So it's not panic, 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 panic. It's like, oh, this again. And you make it through. Same with, same with these sports. It's, um, uh, yeah, I've never failed to meet a deadline, but I, I have, you know, not made it to the finish line, but I've never quit trying. And I think that's, that's it. It's like, okay, well, you failed before, you've struggled before, and you've made it through. It's really kind of a matter of, oh, this again. Yeah. And um, uh, it, it doesn't mean it's easy when you go, oh, this again. It's often said with a shudder or a chill. Right. It's really terrifying. But there's just something to know, something about knowing that you have done it before and that it's going to suck, yep. but you'll do it again. Yep. Yep. That's, that's a big one. It's having, I guess, the, like building the foundation of that, you know, that knowledge base that I can, I've done this before I can do it again. That's, that's, yeah. 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 As a coach, I guess I try to figure out how to, you know, teach, you know, it's not, it's something you can't give to people. They have to have the experience. Yeah. You draw yeah. from that experience. So that's good. Um, how's the pandemic been for you? It's been interesting in that, um, uh, in some ways it wasn't that big a change because, I'm a cartoonist. I work at home. I'm a hermit anyway. Um, so it's not like I missed going to work or anything like that. Um, oops, do I have you? Yeah. Screens are frozen here. Yeah, I see it too. My screen okay. is frozen, but I still hear you. There we are. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so um, uh, life from a working perspective didn't change that much. I remained employed. And I was able to work and I could hide in my house. Uh, I like getting out, but the truth is I didn't get out that much. Um, a little background information. My wife has uh, multiple sclerosis and it's been a little bit more multiple sclerosis in recent years. So it's been harder for her to get out of the house and even harder for her to do certain things in the house um, all by herself. So, um, uh, and, and she also uh, works from home and remained employed the whole time. But, um, you know, life didn't change a whole lot. Uh, we weren't traveling a whole bunch uh, anyway. I wasn't traveling a whole bunch anyway. I'd get out for my swim practices and that would be pretty much it. So the biggest change about the pandemic is um, uh, no swimming, no swim practices. Uh, you know, the pools all shut down this time of year last year, and it was a while before uh, you could swim in an outdoor pool, which you know, 
is a lot safer. And I felt comfortable doing that, um, which I was able to do until November and then um, couldn't swim outdoors anymore. Uh, and also there was the open water as well. But even, even at the beginning of the pandemic, I was unwilling to swim open water because I did not want to attract the attention of uh, emergency personnel who had a lot better things to do, you know, right. cause you could just, you could just picture even as much as open water swimming has gotten a lot more popular in the past 12 months. Um, back then it was still every bit the Frico thing that, um, uh, that it always was always wondering if someone's going to go, Oh my gosh, there's a person in the water. And you, you, we didn't know anything about the virus. We didn't know anything about the pandemic. We didn't know, we didn't know squad and I was playing it safe. So I didn't get into the open water. I just waited until I could swim in the pools uh, outdoors in the summer. Uh, uh, November comes around and that's about as long as we could push it in an outdoor pool in Michigan. And um, I just, I couldn't, even though you could swim in indoor pools, um, you know, with certain distancing and scheduling and stuff, I didn't trust some of those policies. Uh, you know, some of them seem to be being made more on impatience and wishing mm -hmm. than on science. And I thought, I'm just gonna, um, I, I can wait. I'm not that great a swimmer in the first place. I haven't, I can't, I can only lose so much, right? So <laughs> the plan is, um, to stay in shape doing other things. Um, I use a rowing machine that I was fortunate enough to have at home. Um, and then uh, getting back into running and, and realizing just how much I missed that has been a lot of fun. Um, so hopefully when we can get back into uh, the outdoor pools and you know, I should be able to get a vaccination. I'm eligible in Michigan starting now. Getting an appointment is a different matter. Right. But um, should be just about done with this from a swimming perspective and then we'll see what's going on but yeah. for now i'm just trying to stay fit so that when i do get back in the water i can concentrate on learning how to swim again without having to concentrate on getting back into shape again right so yeah. so that's pretty much it um you know i don't go out that much uh don't, we don't go out to eat uh, we get takeout we want to try and keep the restaurants in business as much as possible mm -hmm. but it's just a slightly quieter version of what I'd already been living. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I hear you. We're, hopefully you're able to get some swimming in this year. Do you have anything on the horizon that uh, you'd like, like to do? It's really weird. It's really weird to um, be trying to stay in shape and not knowing really what for. Mm -hmm. um, I honestly don't know what I can plan on um for for this summer uh i'd love to go back to the boston light swim uh i've only swam at those two times but i've gone back a number of times as a volunteer in 2019 i was back as a swimmer but in 2019 we got fogged out and mm, that's um, right. didn't didn't get a chance to swim so um i'd love to go back there if it's possible um uh but i'm not necessarily eager to uh, even take the chance of taking a lottery spot away from someone who say lives where they have been able to train all year round. The last thing I want to do is get to 
the Boston light swim unprepared. That, that would be foolish. Right. Um, so, but that's, that's on the wish list, but it's one of those we'll see wish lists. I'd mm-hmm. love to return to uh, the Straits of Mackinac. I've swum it four times now, uh, two times the wrong way, which is with a wetsuit, but it was <laughs> enough to introduce me to, um, to the Straits, which I just adore that, that tiny corner of the world. Um, I swam them again the right way in 2018 with Elaine and in 2019 uh, with a very good friend. It was just two of us, one boat. Um, it worked out really well. And then actually uh, the following day, uh, Doug and I swam uh, halfway across because our crew, our handler, was uh, a very, very accomplished open water swimmer, Ching Lee. I don't know if you've met her. I think you've had her on the show. Yeah. yeah. Yep. She, <laughs> she was on the boat for us. And the next day was a beautiful day. And um, we talked to our pilot and she said, yeah, we can do this. And then Ching just, you know, swam over and back. And as soon as we were back, uh, halfway back and clear of the shipping channel, Ching said, come on, I'll swim your pace. And Doug and I hopped in and swam, you know, the remaining couple of miles with her. So that was fun too. I'd love to, Doug and I had been talking about the possibility of, um, um, going back there and doing a two way, uh, that way swimming over and back. Mm-hmm. We'll see how soon I can do something like that. It's, it's, it's really appealing, but I've got to see what kind of, what kind of a swimmer I am by, you know, by the beginning of June before I can start making any kind of plans for August. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's about is what, that's as much as I've got for plans. It's yeah. really strange. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know what you mean. Um, is there anything that you've learned about yourself specific, specifically in marathon swimming that you hadn't maybe known about yourself in your other endurance endeavors? Well, that I can finish the Boston light swim that, that was one of them. Um, also, wow. Marathon swimming specifically that I have not learned in my other endeavors, um, slight variations on the same type of thing, really. Um, uh, simply something I learned about swimming that um, didn't seem to show up in the other sports is how important technique is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still working on that. I, it's still, when I, when I watch a truly, truly good swimmer, it just amazes me how fast they go and how effortless it looks. Um, you know, while I take half again as many strokes per given distance uh, to go slower. It's, it's just phenomenal to watch that. Um, but other than that, um, uh, swimming, I think all those endurance sports can be a little meditative um, after a while. You know, there's, there's just this steadiness to it that's just fantastic. And I think it's even more so with swimming where you have to set, settle in with a breathing pattern. You can't look around at the scenery as much and go, oh, that, oh, that, or that. I mean, you can see stuff and it's beautiful, but it's not the same thing as going on a bike ride. Um, uh, And there's, you know, your arms are doing a rhythmic motion. Your legs are doing a rhythmic motion. Hopefully they're in sync. Sometimes they're not, but there's, there is a much more of that meditative quality to swimming and you're supported by water. It's, it's, it's just a really interesting 
just plain old good feeling Mm -hmm. that is tempered by the fact that it can kill you easier than all those other sports as well. So it it really, uh, not to get too hippie about the whole thing, but swimming really fills you with life and especially open water swimming. Pool swimming, that's training. Open water swimming, that's life. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Being able to soak it all in, you know, I think, yeah, you said it, you said it really well. Um, (laughs) I maybe have one or two more questions or running out of time, but um, first I want to congratulate you on the endurance feat of all time. Your 20 years of 365 days a year. Oh, incredible. Uh, It's, it feels funny. And it's just like finishing the Boston light swim where it's like, it looks impossible. So you just concentrate on one stroke at a time, one strip at a time until you reach that point where you go, I'm going to do this. Don't screw this up. And so <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of similarities and it really feels good. I think I'll be a little warmer when that uh, <laughs> final strip finally publishes. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, I think it'll feel a lot the same if you're a paramedic. Yeah. Right. So, right. So that was on, we'll, we should look for that on April 2nd. Was that what it April was? April 2nd. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 20, 20 years. years. That's amazing. What motivates you to keep going for that and for swimming and for everything? <laughs> Honestly, um, habit. It's just, it's become who I am. Um, uh, which, which is funny, especially in the sports world, because in the 20 years I've been doing the comic strip, I've bounced from sport, main sport to main sport to main sport. But it's still I've never not done the sports. Um, it's it's too important for it's, it's honestly too important a part of the writing process. So um, the two things that keep me going are, you know, number one, habit and um, uh, number two, uh, an obligation. It's, I, I do it to make my life seem like it has meaning and uh, I need it in order to write. And, and sometimes I do it just because I can't not do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. I love that. I love it. It's, it's so cool. Do you think we'll have um, 20 more years of Fraz? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, honestly, I've, I've been uh, back to the parallel with the Boston light swim again, uh, all 20 years. And, and frankly, the 20 years before I started doing Fraz, even when I was in high school, I did a daily comic strip for the local newspaper for about three years. And then um, I didn't try and get syndicated right after that, partly because I knew I wasn't quite in that league yet which is good I would hate to be saddled with characters I made up when I was 20 um but um uh uh oh lost my train of thought got it back again was that even even then I was thinking there's no way that newspapers and comic strips in general are going to survive long enough to make a career out of it so right 20 years later uh I'm working for a newspaper bureau and I see the writing on the wall that the bureau is going to get closed down as things consolidate. Um, and I should probably go back to college. I, I never finished college. I kind of <laughs> quit early to go pro, so to speak. Um, but first I thought, let's try this comic strip thing one more time. And uh, cause I don't want to turn 75 and wonder what might've happened. 
And so now I'm not 75 yet, but now we kind of know what happened. But this whole time, you just, there will be a point when you watch the newspaper industry either try to commit suicide on its own or watch something else try to kill it. And you just wonder, am I going to make it to next week, let alone make it to 20 years? So it is, it's like seeing the, the skyline of Boston. It's like, maybe I can do this. Maybe. Don't screw this up now. <laughs> Right. Um, who's inspired you in marathons? Who's inspired me? Yeah. Well, I mentioned my dad. Yeah, um, for sure. He's been a pretty good inspiration that way. Um, uh, boy, but if, if by inspired, you mean looking ahead to good teachers and good coaches, they haven't always been athletes. A lot of them have been, have been teachers. Um, and a lot of them have been coaches and former athletes. Um, now, my dad, again, uh, he was a teacher. He's still alive, but he's not a teacher. Well, he, not a public school, fully employed career teacher anymore. But what he taught was vocal music. And he taught a couple of things that have really stuck with me. The main thing is he was always big on saying, if you're going to make a mistake, make a loud one. He hated timid singers. He says, if, if you're if you're singing the wrong note and you're just singing it loud enough that I can't hear you make the mistake, I can't correct you. But the people on one side or the other, they can hear you and they're going to start screwing up because they can't sing the right note with you singing the wrong note. So he's always said, if you're going to make a mistake, make a loud one. And that's, that's probably been one of my, you know, best guiding forces all along. Um, and aside from that, uh, every other athlete who is who has looked at me, I'm looking at you right now, Elaine, saying, I'm doing this weird thing. Come along. Come and do this. You know, because it's easy to look at something in a magazine or these days on the Internet and say, oh, that looks interesting. I should try that. Um, but actually doing it, it, it almost always takes someone who's already doing it saying, hey, you come along, do this. So that's who inspires me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been a delight. I've learned things about myself that I didn't know. That's that's a sign of a terrific interviewer. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Um, we just have a small crew. Anybody have any questions for Jeff in our last couple minutes? We could do. We could break out into rooms. Hey, how cold is um? Is Michigan <laughs> swimming without a wetsuit? Well, that depends on the time of year. Um, What's the, the warmest? Of Mac What's that? What's the warmest it gets? Oh, the warmest it gets. Uh, the air can get pretty warm. We can get into triple digits a few days each summer. Um, sometimes too many days each summer. The water temperature in the inland lakes can get into the eighties sometimes. Um, Lake Superior. The old joke is it's got two temperatures, ice and liquid ice. I don't swim a lot in Lake Superior. The Great Lakes, you never know. Um, you know, the two most recent times that I've swum the Straits of Mackinac, we've had temperatures mostly in the mid 60s, 65, 68. And that's really swimmable. Something about the northern end collects all the cold water and it'll drop a good 10 degrees or more right then. But, um, 
you know, and then winter comes and then it's as cold as you can stand it um, for however long you can stand it. <laughs> and where haven't you swum that you want to swim? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, another Michigan swim I want to do is the Manitou Passage. Uh, if, you know, Michigan, it looks, you know, like a, which there we go. Got to get my map straight. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So you go like up here onto Traverse City and um, uh, there's a couple of islands, Big Manitou Island and Little Manitou Island um, off of there. And uh, no, North Manitou and South Manitou. Sorry about that. And South Manitou to the Sleeping Bear Dunes is about eight miles and just swimming to the Sleeping Bear Dunes sounds phenomenal. It's a beautiful site. It's such a gorgeous coastline. And I think the Great Lakes are um, a, a very well-kept secret um, as far as open water swimming. Part of me wants to keep it a secret, <laughs> but um, um, there's some great swims that way. Um, uh, that's, that's the one that I can think of for now. Um, I'd, I'd love to do more San Francisco Bay swimming. I've done the um, uh, Alcatraz and the Golden Gate a number of times now, uh, always with a wetsuit, which has rankled me a little bit, but I'm swimming with kids and it's, it's similar to when I didn't want to swim at the early part of the pandemic. I don't want, they're just fully stocked with emergency crews and I don't want those guys paying attention to the old fart without a wetsuit when they should be paying attention to all of the kids. So um, I would like to do uh, some San Francisco Bay swimming. I'd love to do around the rock. I'd love to do Golden Gate and back. That's one that I would like to do as well. And I'm waiting for that person to say, Jeff, come along. <laughs> I've got this great swim, come along. That's worked out well. I may wander that way this summer. So if I do, I'll give you a call. <laughs> oh, please do. That would be great. But we've got a I lot of great places. I have not swam in San Francisco Bay. And What's that? You said I have not swam in anywhere in San Francisco Bay and I'm going to be out West and we'll see how I feel after. But <laughs> you want to go to Michigan after? <laughs> No, no, no. Um, after Tahoe. Yeah. So oh, my gosh. Francisco, wow. But that may be a little, um, you know, optimistic. <laughs> if, you can do, if you can do Tahoe, you can do anything in Michigan. That's, you know, that's a lot of cold, fresh water, which is what we've got to offer in right. Michigan. I've never swam in any of the Great Lakes, so it's still on my list of places I'd like to visit and swim. So Please do. They're gorgeous. I love the Great Lakes. I love being surrounded by them. Awesome. Good questions, Janine. Anything else for Jeff? All right. Thank you again for your time. Everybody oh my gosh. Thank you day. so much. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll send you a link when, when we're published. Excellent. <laughs> a couple days. Okay. Right, Sounds guys. good. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. More than just a podcast. Did you know that you can watch Marathon Swim Stories on YouTube? Or join us. We meet on Tuesdays at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 13.30 GMT. Check out intrepidwater.com forward slash Marathon Swim Stories to see who's up next.
Thank you for listening.